going to take my sheet. Nope, and if anybody needs any other outline or a sheet, if you don't have one, here's one here. And they're kind of scattered. So, there's another one up there. Do you guys need it? You have one back there, Johnny? Well, where we're at tonight, it's not probably a topic that I would just choose if I were going through topics. And you probably look at the title of this, and this is not one that's probably going to attract a lot of people if we had it advertised as this. Um, of course, on, on, on the title, it uh, says, um, Declaring the Excellencies of God. Now, that's that's good. While suffering unjustly. <laughs> and so, uh, as we work ourselves through Peter, we see that he gets into some issues that is just daily living. And he has some grand doctrine that he's been presenting. Uh, first of all, let's let's touch back a little bit where we've been. And uh, then we'll get to where we're going. Uh, just a fast run through in, in First Peter. The privileges that belong to Christians are just incredible. Peter says we're blessed with great mercy in chapter 1. That we're blessed with the new birth. Uh, we are given a living hope. Uh, we are given an imperishable, undefiled, unfading inheritance in heaven. We're given a purified soul. We are introduced into a brotherhood of love. We receive constant spiritual nourishment for growth from the Word of God. We have the honor of being identified as living stones, a spiritual house, a holy and royal priesthood, a chosen race, a holy nation, and a people for God's own possession. Peter says we've received a spiritual gift by which we can minister. Now, that's some of the some of the stuff that we'll be seeing later on. And he says we are uh, we have a stewardship of God's manifold grace. We've been given hope of God's comfort. And, of course, he gives us strength, uh, Peter says, and he's uh, working his perfection in all of our lives. And finally, he will close out that we are the beneficiary of God's eternal peace in Christ. Now, that's a loadful, isn't it? Those are blessings. Those are... Uh, privileges that are just incredible. I mean, these are eternal things and they work right now in our lives. I mean, that's, uh, how can you not say thanks to the Lord because of that? I think it's an incredible legacy uh, that he's given us. Peter, is, is just, he just built it up and built it up on the richness of being a Christian. Uh, <laughs> you wouldn't have it any other way, would you? Now, you might assume based upon all these blessings and promises and privileges that uh, God has given us and uh, this identity that we have in Christ, that we would be the people most respected. And we would just be loved and honored and adored and, and, and lifted up. But the opposite is true, <laughs> as the world looks at us anyway. Um, we're running along parallel to the list of privileges. And quite a catalog that we see, and yet Peter brings up the issue of suffering and, and when you've been wronged by somebody. <laughs> and Peter writes about various trials. You know, Of course, every writer in, the, uh, in Scripture seems to talk about that issue. You can't get away from it. Um, here he'll start off with uh, 
unreasonable masters, and, and as we see in verse 18. Uh, but he's, he's talking about Christians are going to sometimes receive harsh treatment. Uh, they're going to suffer for doing what is right. Uh, sometimes when you hear those kind of things, it's not very inviting, is it? <laughs> when you hear that kind of uh, thought. But the nature of the Christian life, even with the immense privileges, uh, on, on another hand, there can be a, a, a suffering, and it's a call that God has given for us. It's a call to glory. Right? I mean, we that's what we're shooting for. It's a call to glory, but he uses suffering. And of course, that, the pattern was the sun, and he'll use that in this text here. So we're uh, kind of set at odds with the environment that we live in. Uh, we're, we're a problem in this culture. Because a lot of things we believe in, the culture hates, <laughs> uh, despises. You know, we're strangers in this world. We're aliens, Peter has said. So we've touched on that. And we know that this environment is run by who's the prince of the power of the air? Satan. Although God is in control of all of this, at the same time, we know he's the prince of this world. It's a Satan-energized system. The world system is really drawing its energy from this demon-activated type system. And so we're, we're at odds. Uh, and so we're not uh, everything that we believe in is not going to be always accepted by... Uh, uh, people, uh, the world. And so we have an incredible identity. Uh, but it it's not that we're uh, going to be exalted because of that. Matter of fact, the culture can get quite antagonistic. Uh, they have, uh, at least as far as the centuries have gone, down through history. The Christians have been hated and mistreated, abused, treated with cruelty, persecuted, killed, wickedness, even death has happened to them as Christians have been scattered all over the world. Um, so, uh, you know, Peter is saying, okay, I'm going to show you how to handle this animosity that you're going to have. Not everything's going to go perfectly for you. And so he shows how uh, we're to deal with this. And what's to be our attitude? Um, by the virtue of your salvation, he's saying, you're going to suffer, but I will tell you, if you go through that suffering, whatever situation it may be, as long as you're living in this world, you go through that path, it's going to please God. <laughs> now, that sounds really strange. Uh, but that's what Peter's going to be saying here. There, there is a purpose in, in all of this. There's a final perfection is, is what we're heading for. But um, ultimately, it will result in a greater praise from us, a greater glory, a greater honor, to Christ, so we're just not suffering or to, to endure just to learn it, but it's going to help us as we go right on into eternity. It's not just a thing just for here, but um, uh, I think it will enhance our capacity to praise and glorify and honor God. Eternal capacity. How would you like to have as much capacity as you could for eternity to glorify God? I mean, that's really what we want, right? Uh, so anyway, um, so we got just uh, taking it into context, we back up into verse 9, and you get that line after he says, you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Oh man, we spent weeks on that. So that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him. You have to love that. Because He called us out of darkness into light. Uh, we're strangers, we're aliens, we live in a way that is to show God, to show His excellencies. 
to declare His excellencies. Um, Peter is going to start giving some examples what Christianity looks like in a hostile world. And we started looking at that last week. Um, actually, last couple of weeks. Uh, one is where we're living before the world. And he says uh, to abstain from the fleshly we- uh, lust. They wage war against your soul. Then we talked about government last week. Submit to the government. Even when the government doesn't really go the way that you would like it, right? And now he gets into, like verse 18, dealing with, in this case, servants or slaves and masters. And most often when we've dealt with that, we've done it many times. I probably won't really um, get into a lot of depth as far as that's concerned because we covered a lot. We covered it in Ephesians. We covered it in our Colossians study. We covered it in... Uh, almost every book that we've been in lately, it seems like we've done that. We're, and it, and it kind of usually deals with the home, the government, takes in every aspect, right? Uh, the workplace. Um, what we'll do is try to extend this on out about sh- showing God off, demonstrating God in our daily life, declaring His excellencies, right? So that we will declare His excellencies. Um, we have a fallen nature. But we know that God has given us a new nature. The thing is, we still battle against that flesh. And um, there are some strong feelings of resistance that can come from our flesh um, dealing with, let's say, verse 13 through 17, where it talks about the government. Sometimes we can have a little bit of resistance against that. And then when you get into this text, uh, we want to resist it even more. By nature, we hate to give the impression of weakness if somebody takes advantage of us. Uh, we hate to look, uh, maybe look like uh, like we're weak. Uh, somebody gets the advantage. They have something over us. We don't like that, right? So what Peter calls for is something utterly contrary, contrasting totally the fallen human nature. And that's the first thing that when we ask, what does this demeanor have to do with showing off God? Whenever we, when we read this text in a moment, that's what we'll ask. If, if we triumph over our own, our own fallen nature, you know, it's, it's strong evidence that there's something more outside of us that's above nature, that's in our lives, that's working. There's something happening. If we can rise above all the things that come against us as Christians, imagine what kind of notice it can make to other Christians or even unbelievers. And God is the key, obviously, to this counter-natural way of life. I mean, that natural way of life um, is sometimes very fleshly. And we do things and say things because people have done something against us and we try to get back at them. And uh, what God is trying to do is take the axe and sever that those fleshly thoughts. And uh, that's what Peter is, is doing here. Being a Christian is radical. And uh, it goes against the grain. Different values, different priorities, a, a total different focus. And now he hits on the issue that most people really wouldn't really care to. Let's read this. Final. We get to read it. First Peter two eighteen. Servants, be submissive to your masters. 
with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable, for this finds favor if for the sake of conscience toward God a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. For what credit is there if when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? But if when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. For you have been called for this purpose. Since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in His steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. Now I'm going to stop there. It's in the middle of a sentence. But I know we won't get any further than that. And if we do, I'll have to stop because I wasn't ready for the next section. (laughs) Barb. NAS, New American Standard. I keep losing my water. I'm getting dry. Ah, thanks. Appreciate that. <laughs> Somebody's got to watch out for me all the time. I'm sorry, I'm taking a break. I'll let you do it now. I need help. Always. All right. Servants, be submissive to your masters, all respect. Not only those who are good and gentle but also to those who are unreasonable. We could relate that and take it over to our jobs and such, but you know what? We kind of, like I say, we kind of dealt with that, but we get it. If somebody, even anybody, treats you unjustly, uh, uh, unreasonable, how how are we supposed to take that, right? Uh, Whether it be uh, partnerships, friendships, marriage, employment, in this case, let's say, uh, ministry in the church, uh, whatever it can be. Uh, we have to depend on grace to be able to obey this in, in the right way. Uh, he's calling for nothing less than death to, to ourselves. Um, because by nature, people don't want to do this. Uh, that's right. This, this the natural thing to do is to get upset and mad, or try to get back to whether it be the boss or somebody who's mistreating you, or whatever, or you're not getting treated fairly. And then Peter is introducing to us that we have a radical new life, and um, it's like, well, surely we we need to get back at him somehow. Um, but he says here we are to bear it for the sake of conscience toward God. Um, the idea is there is to take God into account. When something happens, and, and, and it uh, could very well be somebody has really mistreated us. And what we do is to, to, first of all, look to Him. It says, for this finds favor, if for the sake of conscience toward God, if you bear up under sorrows when suffering unjustly, um, thinking about God. That's the first thing that we want to do is to put ourselves toward God, our conscience toward God, to be thinking, understanding that um, we are to live to God. Grace comes when we're conscious of God. So,
So the first place we take it is too easy to, to say, but that's really where it's at. You take it to who? God. Somebody has extremely done some terrible things against you and said some things, did some things, and we go to God. And and you reckon with that. Um, he should always be in the equation. Any kind of relationship that we have, bad, good, and different, he, he has to be in that equation of that and realize that, okay, he's a third party, but really... He's the one who's really present in this that can really help us out. So it's 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 easy, but it's not. But but it's taking God seriously. So whenever the first thing that happens, boom! Rather than let our flesh rule, he's saying here that um, take it to God as far as your your uh, conscience is uh, concerned, your mind, your thinking toward God. Um, so what are we to think about God? You start taking it to God. Okay, what, what's that mean? Well, think about God. Well, verse 23, probably, uh, and this is where we're heading. And, of course, verse 22, uh, the quote that he has out of Isaiah, And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. That's where this thing is taking us. We already get the answer. It's right there. That's how we are to do it. Uh, God is impeccably righteous. That means He's nothing but righteous. He can't be anything else. Do you believe God? Do you trust God? So in this situation that you're in, does He see every wrong that is done to us? Yeah. And He's there. He sees it. Is He a God that's going to take care of it in the long run? Yeah. Yeah, he's going to show you how you want to people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jesus? Uh, Jesus, as far as Jesus is concerned, as he gets the example? Yeah. Yeah. The bar is Christ. And of course, uh, yeah, that's, that's as high as it can go. But that's the only place that we can go. We, we really look at that example and we go, well, if he did that and that was all about his life and took taking on our sin, as, of course, the next verse comes in, then we get our thinking right and we realize what he did was much bigger than this little thing that whatever was unjust to us. If this God is real to us, then that's what the idea of is whenever you're, somebody might say, We'll just hand it over to God. Well, it's it's thinking about God. It's it's saying, okay, God, uh, I trust in you. You're going to take care of this. I'm just going to um, take your peace, your joy, the freedom that you give me, and I'm just going to concentrate on that and let you uh, you deal with it, whatever manner you're going to do. Uh, you know, you yeah. said in the long run, there's the run. <laughs> <laughs> In you caught it. <laughs> in the long run. But truthfully, um, that has been that he showed me. I guess when I get upset with somebody, I realize I've done it to somebody else. So a lot of times he shows me my attitude that was okay for me to give that attitude, but I didn't like getting it back. So he kind of uh, has a tendency to do that. Peter 
hits right at it. Here's how to live this Christian life now. This is real stuff here. How many of us live in this liberating knowledge of knowing that this is what we were called <laughs> to do? When you see that word, you go, what? Wait a minute. Did I, did I see that right? He called me to do this. Huh. This is a calling. It's part of His will. And we'll look at some verses of that in a minute. But you know what? If we would take that, it would really free us. It would give us um, a liberation to know that we are going to be misunderstood, that we as Christians are, are going to be criticized, we're going to be ignored, we're going to be hurt for doing good and and what is right. We're going to get criticized for doing what is right, doing good. And he says, don't return the hurt for hurt. Well, that's what we know best. That's what we do. Thank you. <laughs> Part of this self-serving me, me, me doctrine that's out there now, you know, has in the last few years concentrated on favor, favor, favor. Daniel hmm. had favor. And so we're supposed to have favor with everybody. And boy, what a contrast that you're supposed to, that you are suffering, you are called for this purpose. Not to have favor with everyone that the world will bow at your feet like Mordecai. I mean, I'm glad Mordecai got what he did. You know, we're not all going to be like Mordecai. This is the way that the man should be treated that the king delights in him to honor, you know. Yep. We're not going to be like Mordecai. <laughs> Quite an example, though, isn't it? We're going uh, to be more like the three Hebrew children in the fiery furnace, you know, more likely. <laughs> yep the nature of the calling is an incredible thing and um, favor is interesting you see that word favor at least in my translation in verse 19 and uh, in verse uh, 20 there at the end of 20 it's favor with God Right. that's the kind of favor that that we want where he is pleased He's pleased when we do that. So let's let's get into that part, our, our verse 20. When you do right, you can suffer. When you do right, you can be criticized. When you do things that are right, things won't necessarily get better. And when you do right, some will, somebody might say a very hurtful thing. And when you do right, people may not even notice Totally ignore what you've done and have no appreciation whatsoever. I'm sure everybody here has done things and then didn't hear a thing from anybody. People might have appreciated, but might not said anything. Yeah. You must work for state government. I guess I can say that now. <laughs> Barb, you've been at a lot longer than I have, so I'm sure you probably have experienced that. Uh, I really can't say anything. I don't know anything yet. I probably don't want to know, right? <laughs> um, I guess a lot of times, uh, I think, well, you were saying back there, Dwayne, I think, you know, that kind of favor or my rights, right? The, the selfish-oriented type 
thinking, you know, um, it's my duty to set things straight here, you know. What right do they have to do that? That's my right, you know. And, and so therefore, that's the kind of thoughts that can come back into our head. But if we take it to the Lord and we concentrate on who He is and realize He's the one that is to get the vindication. Uh, but He says, I, I think it's interesting, uh, when, when we do right, um, but if when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, you get through that and you're patient and you, you're able to stand firm all the way through, uh, this finds favor with God, for you have been called for this purpose. Patiently endure. Favor with God. Utter reliance on God, and that means He delights. He takes great delight whenever we've gone through something, through somebody, and we don't return it back to them. And He takes great pleasure in that. He delights in that. Now that's a thought. You don't usually think of that too often, do you? God delights whenever we have ba- uh, when we behave like what His Word says, even though we don't feel like that. We're utterly relying absolutely on His grace to get through this. And that means we're looking to God for strength and everything. And that's why He gets pleased because now we're trusting in, in Him. So we can show off God by just patiently enduring. God has shown that way, you know, like uh, making His excellencies known, proclaiming His excellencies just by living it out now as, as Peter shows here. And sometimes it's not necessarily always saying something. It's just being able to patiently endure through things and uh, especially when we've been wronged and God gets the glory out of it. Um, Verse 21 I find really fascinating. For you have been called for this purpose since Christ also suffered for you. Leaving an example for you to follow any steps. Uh, That first phrase, you've been called for this purpose. The calling of God. Look in uh, chapter 3, verse 9. Peter just kind of keeps repeating this. Not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. What? For you were called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. Okay, you know, we're, we have, we've already seen all the blessings that we have. Peter's already introduced that, and, and we have an inheritance coming that's an absolute blessing. Well, we live here to give blessings, not cursings or insults or returning evil for evil, but to bless people. Well, it's one thing about just being quiet when somebody has wronged me, but to give them a blessing? I'm not so sure exactly how that works out. Let you read the rest of the verse there. For the one who desires life to love and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. He must turn away from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears attend to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So he will he will judge the ones if, if they're 
treating with evil. That that's what he will do. But he he says here to uh, not return evil for evil, and to even give a blessing. It's incredible. Look in verse seventeen. For it is better if God should will it so that you suffer for doing what is right rather than for doing what is wrong. Here he uses an if here, for it is better. If God would will it, if God is going to will this and control this, you better suffer because why? Because it's right. Now, if you're suffering for something that is wrong, <laughs> well, you ought to get it anyway, right? Now, chapter 4, verse 19. Therefore, those also who suffer... Now, look at this. According to the will of God shall entrust their souls to a faithful Creator in doing what is right. That just seems so backwards. Why... Would God ever want us to suffer according to the will of God? I mean, if I'd read this back a few years ago, I'd go, I don't understand that. It doesn't make sense. Why would God want us to suffer? Well, you look at Peter and you'll see why. <laughs> but you look at the other epistles, there are reasons for it. And of course, Peter is showing us, but um, it's, it's, ultimately, it's, it's part of the will of God. Uh, God wants us to be saved. God's will is for us to be sanctified. Uh, God's will is for us to be saying thanks. God's will is for us to uh, abstain from uh, lust, whatever those those be, desires and such of the flesh. Uh, you go on and on. And here's another will of God. Those also who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls, whatever it may be. You know, it might be something physically that somebody has to go through, a surgery or whatever. You know, take that for instance. Or Suffering what Peter is talking about here through martyrdom or persecution or whatever, I mean. Uh, in any sense, we know whatever we're going through, we entrust our souls to Him. Simple as that may sound, that's a hard thing to do, though. That, that's trusting God. Trusting whenever it gets really hemmed in, when things get really tight. Really personal? Huh? Really personal? Yeah. Um, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he keeps using the word where it's talking about being pressed in. And um, being so pressed in by all the different things that was happening with him. And, uh, you know, he was able to endure. Uh, he did it by grace. And it was all for God's glory. So, you know, you, you take that first Peter and, and, and you look in all the passages... Uh, this calling belongs to every person in this room. <laughs> to every Christian. It's a calling uh, for all those who trust Christ, right? Because uh, Christ suffered for you. Leaving you an example that you should follow any steps. For you have been called for this purpose. It's a non-retaliating, gracious, a behavior that's submissive. It's owing to a call from God. You've been called for this. So it's not a coincidence when Christians suffer. What is it? It's a calling. Like I said, I wouldn't have chosen this topic on my own. To this you were called. 
this is incredible. Who is Peter writing to at this time? People who were going through some pretty heavy persecution or would be very soon. So it was real to them as he writes this. It can be far away from us at this moment. Maybe it's something for the future or maybe something that you've dealt with uh, real recently. But suffering with patience can show off God. That's uh, going back to that declaring His excellencies. It is obedience to our vocation, our calling. Quite an incredible thought. Christianity is definitely radical, isn't it? Well, I mean, I would I simply say, what does this look like? Looks like the... Yeah, I mean, but I guess I'm looking at the point of, uh, you were talking about the this master, you know, you were talking about that, and you were talking about we're doing good. Do you just sit there and you just take it, or are you, are you able to... Isn't there a point that God God's gonna ha- you're gonna have to speak up for him as though you know what I'm saying to defend? Your well, let's take the context first of all. Yeah. I got away from that very quickly, but you have a slave and you have a master. Master uh, does some terrible things to their slaves, and some of them are actually good and gentle. Other masters are not. What about the ones that are unreasonable? Well, in verse 19, God says through Peter, Holy Spirit, working through him, that that person is to bear up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. So if you know if you're dealing with somebody unreasonable, it's an unreasonable... I think there are times there are other passages in Scripture where, if um, if there is sin, I think people need to address the sins, to, like to another believer, where they need to uh, to deal with that and talk that out. In this case, you have a boss over one who, let's say, let's take it to a regular job. Well, that's are you saying like the world? Is that what you're in the frame of of the world? Or, yeah, anybody in, in the world that's treating you unfairly. That's basically what this, this whole context is dealing with, whether it be living before the world, uh, the government. Here, it's, it starts off with masters and their slaves, or a job, uh, a boss might be able to take advantage of you. You may not get rewarded the way that you would like. Well, in our time that we have, you have to use wisdom. If it's a job that you can move on and get to a different place, well, you have choice to do that. We have those choices and freedoms here, you know. Uh, but it's not trying to get back at somebody in the way that they're getting back at you. Now, you can use wisdom and maybe bring out something, you know, maybe even give a question. You know, we, we have that kind of freedom to work with. If you're given a chance to rebuttal, like you say, a boss or something, but you're not supposed to sit there not say nothing either, though, too. I, I, it's all in your, your whole attitude and, and your demeanor that you carry. Um, Every circumstance of crime would be different, too. Right, right. And that's why I say, yeah, yeah you have to go according to those circumstances. If you're in a situation where you uh, you probably shouldn't say anything because you've got somebody over you, 
and that's the way that they're going to be, and that's their personality. You're probably not going to change them, especially if they're a worldly person, unless they become a Christian. So, And I think a lot of this is what Peter is talking about. They're going to be people that mistreat you from the worldly side, and, and don't be surprised. That happens. Not all unbelievers. Some, some of the nicest people in the world are unbelievers. They're better than Christians sometimes, <laughs> outwardly. But I don't know if this is very scriptural, but it's kind of funny. Ruth Graham said sometimes you have to submit, and then sometimes you have to outwit. <laughs> yeah. Somebody was asking her about submitting to Billy. Oh. <laughs> sometimes you have to submit, sometimes you have to outwit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is probably what they're sitting there saying. Right. And the wit is to recognize there's God sees all those injustices being done to you, nothing else. Be led by His Spirit. Just don't attack right off the bat. And you know, when when something has happened, think about it first. Take it to God, and then if if there are ways to be able to deal with it and talk with people, but it's not just trying to get back at somebody. If that's the case, then we're totally wrong. If that's the only way that we're going to answer it, then uh, what he's saying here, basically, for the most part, bear up under it, is what he's saying. Yeah, Barb. <laughs> Another person is treating you unjustly because you know, they're just because they're just that way. And I, I had this happen <coughs> once at work, and it took every bit of self restraint I had not to go back at him and say what he's coming after me. Um, and I, I stopped, and I think part of that wisdom that you're talking about is you've got to stop and think well. You know, he's not hurting my chances for a promotion. He's not going to get me fired. He's a jerk. But absolutely, it's going to hurt my pride. And if it's a matter of just hurting your pride, then it's better to just hold your tongue. But it's part of the wisdom is discerning when when it is just your pride being hurt and you need to hold it versus when you feel like you really need to stand up for yourself but in a... Yeah. Yeah, and there might be situations you might be able to stand up for somebody else that you know that is getting hurt uh, in in some ways, and, and that's that's where the uh, yeah that's that's where the wisdom is going to come in. But for the most part, you know, it's not that we're going to necessarily change a person if we get the opportunity to to talk with them and go one on one. You know, that's that's a good thing. But it's it's not about me in this issue. It's first of all, we go to God and realize, okay, I want my pride out of this. This is not about me anyway. It, it might be for the good of other people or this person right there. Maybe they don't even know what they're doing, and they might be affecting other people. Uh, but to be able to use that and come from God's angle, then uh, it's it's not, we don't want to revile or return something back to them just because they've, they've made us mad or they've done something. Yeah. Right. Sometimes it's better just to turn around and maybe even apologize to them. I know I was really mad when I was working one time with this lady and I was really upset with her. And I realized how it was affecting me and I thought, well, this is really stupid. And I thought about it instead of trying to get even. And then I thought, well, maybe if I apologize for being the way I'm feeling towards her, She'll change, and it actually did change the situation. So there was an effect there. Mm-hmm. You were able to communicate, and so it wasn't a reviling. 
it was in a sense of just using yeah, some common my sense first for both. Was, but you said was, I want to, you know, I really wanted to get even, but then I thought, no, that's not what I should be doing. Your pride had to bow down, right. didn't it, to do that? Well, there again, you have to always rely on God in everything because He will give you the wisdom and the words to say to that person whatever needs to be said to them. That's right. Yeah, and you want his words, not your words, yeah. right? Yeah, and his whole attitude and his thought. And now that takes us out of it, mm-hmm. and we let him deal with it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes uh, it might be that we don't do anything. Let him take yeah. care of it. And then say, boy, you really got to get it. <laughs> 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 You're picking on a child. Yeah, you don't know who I know. You don't know who my father is. <laughs> Yes. Oh, yeah. This takes off just a little bit different angle, so I hope it's not inappropriate. But as long as your boss or the authority over you isn't asking you or telling you you must do something sinful, yeah. Um, and there you still would have to be gracious and say, I can't do that because I would be sinning against my God by doing this. And they may enforce it and say, you have to, or whatever the consequences are. They have to pay the consequences, but you have to do it with grace without speaking evil words out of your mouth or having an evil attitude. Yeah, ex- excellent thoughts there, guys. Yeah, that's absolutely. And that's staying with the same context as what we were looking at last week as far as the government is concerned. We're supposed to be submitting to the government no matter what, but unless it is something that we know it's against, it's definitely against what we believe in as far as Scripture is concerned, it's against God. And the same would be in, in this kind of situation, too, I think, in, in any kind of submitting uh, situation. And that that's helpful. And, and you know, so there are going to be some things that we just cannot uh, let continue, or, or or at least we'll be involved with it. We can choose to do that because of what we believe in. Ultimately, the uh, you know the, the first two verses of chapter three, even though I was talking about a uh, man and wife, husband and wife. The principle can apply there, you know, that it, it, it says, uh, you know, that they may be one by observing your faith behavior. And if, you, if, if the person that's being unjust to you sees that you're not retaliating and that they see the love of Christ in you and the light of Christ in you, then what conviction does that bring to them? I mean, I don't mean to misapply this passage. No, that's that's the same context. That's what this whole thing is about. And and it's always that not only will it give favor to God, but it might even lead one to Christ, whether it be a husband or a wife. You know, in that case, Peter is talking about uh, probably an unbelieving husband. But they came back to me later, and they, that was one of the things that, no matter how mean they were verbally, I didn't retaliate, and I came back with grace. Mm-hmm. And what he asked to him, and that really did, does make an impression on me. And I can't believe that you'd have that kind of yeah. patience. He's mentioned that a couple of times. Yeah. So it does. It does make a difference. 
sister, that's what she was. She was cool to a particular girl because she wouldn't act out, and she didn't act out. And it was funny, over time, she kept watching her. She kept actually trying to find a way to you know, like prove that she wasn't as good as she liked to act like she was. And she said she, she endured it, and she endured it. And she said, family, she said, like, I got a respect for her. And it was family to ask her, why aren't you, you know, like that. Like you say, that, and that girl finally witnessed to her. It definitely helped her towards her walk and stuff like that. You don't come on yeah. But, yeah, you said know, that poor girl, you think, yeah. But she endured for, you know, she just knew it wasn't right to do it. She didn't know the consequences of that would be from her sister. But I also think it's important to remember that we don't give our strength from our own inner yeah. self. We get from the Lord. Right. <laughs> he gets all praise and glory. That's, that's what this is all about. That's where we are to take it. We immediately hear something or feel something, and a lot of times we'll, we'll react the way that the flesh knows how to act. Or we can go, wait a minute, I'm, I'm going right to the Lord on this one, as, as Sue was saying. I mean, that's it. And we know that. We know that, but how often do we <laughs> forget that? You know, the enemy hits you at the wrong time. You mm-hmm. have too much. Yeah. <laughs> You feel like you can do it too often. Yeah. And well, there is a. I mean, Jesus, he he got angry, mm-hmm. and there is times that I think the Lord mm-hmm. might want you to come back. It happens to me every day at work. I mean, when a girl, you know, mm-hmm. somebody came in and started running down one of my girls, and it hit me. I mean, hit me wrong. <laughs> yeah. And I asked them if they had a problem with her. No, no. I thought you are standing there lying to me. And I said, I, you know, mm-hmm. they run one of my girls off, and they're trying to run another one. And I said, I want to stop, and I want to stop now. Yeah, that's a, and that's a position that you have, and then you're supposed to do that at at, at your work. But also, it's a righteous anger because yeah. somebody's being mistreated. It wasn't because you weren't mistreated. No, it, wasn't. it wasn't about you. It was about somebody else, or it was something something that needed to be dealt with because that can't carry on like that yeah. at your place. Yeah, so a, a righteous anger is something you're motivated by not what you have been hurt with, but how it really. Uh, Offends God and His holiness. Yeah, Bar. Well, I think this whole conversation, and this is kind of yes, worth making long, but I think this whole, this whole conversation leads me to think and realize how important mm-hmm. it is to teach your children this way to react from the very youngest age that you can. I mean, I, I never got this instruction, obviously, not being a Christian. And I'm a hothead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm work, I mean, I'm working on it. I am. And I, I am able to hold my tongue, but my knee-jerk reaction still is to get up there and defend my, not righteous, but my self-righteous mm-hmm. pride, which is not what we're supposed to do. And I can sit here and tell you what it says in the Bible and what who set this standard 2,000 years ago, what we're supposed to do. But then when it actually happens, because of the way I've been brought up to deal with it, old habits are hard to break. Mm-hmm. You know, my first reaction is to fly off the handle with somebody rather than to respond in the appropriate way. And the earlier you learn that, the better off you are. So guys, thank your parents for bringing you up the right way. I always told my boys, anger is a muscle, and the more you use it, the stronger it becomes. 
all I want to do is give my rights and hand them over to God. You know, here's my rights. Boom, you have them. God is going to vindicate if that be the issue. So, um, boy, I had a, another part to this, but I'm not going to get to it. Now. We had some verses, and they're all in Peter, where it shows how we the excellencies are shown. Do you have them on your sheets? Kind of interesting. You just look at those texts. They're all in First Peter. You can turn right to them. Uh, but when when uh, you endure just suffering meekly, just trusting in God, just like what we're talking about, God grants you that grace to do that, and He is absolutely pleased. Huh. Anyway, Peter is uh, very practical here, isn't he? Deal with it. He said, Well, you're a Christian, then you're supposed to forgive me seven times. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, did that make it hard? <laughs> now, you, what do you do with that one? I'm keeping account. <laughs> yeah, I know. I've once had seven times, I've seventy times, seven, so. <laughs> I think he just said seven times. So. That in itself <laughs> is quite the challenge, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> That's all he did? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that is. Let's close with prayer. Father, we thank you for this uh, evening. Thank you for your word, your truth. Thank you for your Holy Spirit and who we really turn to in any kind of issue. And uh, we know that uh, we're not to revile back, uh, but we're to handle the situations and accordingly to what you have given us here. And uh, again, we want to pray for Audrey's sister, and we pray for Tommy, and we pray for Dwayne's mother. And uh, of course, those are very, very urgent. And uh, we uh, just um, pray for uh, what your will is and the very best possible thing that can turn out. We look to you, and uh, as we pray for them, and uh, pray that uh, these issues would just be able to be solved in the way that uh, we fit. But, uh, Lord, we give you all glory. And uh, we, again, we do what is so simple, but yet we forget sometimes we just come running to you. And we hand those issues to you, and, and we are a part of it. And uh, we give you all the glory. In your son's name, amen. Mm-hmm.